Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. I don't don't know how many of you have ever been in a spot. I lived for having given my life to the Lord as a young person, actually really meeting the Lord, 12 years old, 13 years old, really met God, and then turned away from God. And it was a rough, I guarantee you, man, that was a rough 10 years or so of my life when I just kind of fell back into the world and, and, and fell away from the Lord. That was a rough 10 years, because I am telling you, anyone who has known God, really met God, and not walking with God, I assure you, I know by personal experience, you are the most miserable person on the face of this earth. You see, the natural man that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapters 1, 2, and 3, when we talked about the natural man, there's these three states of being, kind of. There's the natural man, the natural person who's never met Jesus Christ. You know, he's just a, a, just a natural person. They're just living their life. You know, they, they just, they have no... They have an idea maybe about God or there's some kind of soul searching from time to time, but they have no awakening within in the spiritual man to speak of. So it's kind of dormant and so they don't really feel anything. There's not the same level of, of, of spiritual conscience. I would use that type of a term maybe. And then there's the person who is born again, following God, living the life after the walking in the spirit, the believer. Then there is the carnal Christian the one who knows God, but is not really walking with God. And I fell into that category. And I'm telling you, any amount of that begins to lead toward miserableness, you know? It's just a steady slope down. This is why I encourage all of us, we've got to guard our hearts. We want to walk in the spirit because it's just, it's just one step, another step, another step, another step until eventually you just kind of get in this habit of living more of a fleshy life. Now, you know about God, but like we worshiped while we were worshiping, man, I will bow down to no other. Do we really, 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 really believe that? Because there's so many things out there vying for our attention and our time and wanting us to yield to them and to bow to it, to yield ourselves to that, whether it's a tendency or something, whatever it might be, a propensity toward, you know? But, but the Lord, man, I know for a fact Man, there were times where I would have glimmers of clarity like this, even spiritual glimmers of clarity. And one of them was, and I've mentioned this to you, one of them was the time sitting on the park bench. I was wasted. And I I was just sitting there and I was with one of my buddies that had met the Lord too when we were young guys. And he just looks at me and we're both just sitting there you know, it's probably 2.30 or 3. Everything was shut down. We made it, just made it to the liquor store in time to get a 12-er before, you know, we're just sitting on the park bench. It's kind of this misty, foggy, rainy evening. We're just sitting under an old oak tree, literally, a live oak tree, just sitting there in the park by ourselves. And he just looks at me and just goes, man, you ever, you, you ever think much about God? It's like, oh, man. I just, my eyes welled up, you know. I said, man, dude, I think about it almost every day, and I'm going back, man. I can't live like this much longer. I was just... I would, inside, there was a glimmer, even in a drunken stupor, there was a glimmer 
of reality and truth and, 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 and spiritual consciousness that shine through. This is what I'm saying. That's where, that's where Saul's head's at. It's not a good place. Oh, yay, Saul, this is so awesome. You're, you're really thinking right now. No, don't, don't be deceived. Saul's not that guy. He's as messed up as they get. And he's not thinking, he just has had a glimmer because you know what? Truth is truth. And it sparkles out. He's having an emotional experience here a little bit. Now, I believe true spiritual experiences are emotional at times. I, I really believe that. Thoroughly and completely, I believe that. But it's not based on that. It's based on something much greater than that. It's based on the real true work of God in the heart of man. That, that's really what it's about. It's about the truth really bearing witness and us acting upon that. See, he's just kind of reacting to it, not acting upon it. Two different things. He's just reacting, making this statement here, you know, and just saying that, yeah, now I really know you're gonna be the king and you're the one that's supposed to do it. This is all true, therefore, but, he's gonna, but now he's gonna bargain. <laughs> he's going into bargain mode. He's gonna say, but, but hey, look it. Swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me. And he's already, you remember? This is an easy deal for David to make because he already made this with Jonathan, didn't he? They cut covenant on this very point, didn't they? They talked about that and they said, yeah, I will not destroy you. You're my friend. I'm not gonna destroy you or your, or your family. And that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul and Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. A couple of things to think about not the least of which is certainly being patient. Being patient and let God have his way on a couple of levels. Certainly not everything that we see that comes in front of us that's a, a, that seemingly is a blessing, pray through it, double check on it. I, I've found very often now, I ask people if they're coming up with some black, boo, 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 big idea about this or that, that hey man, you, yeah, I, I really would like to, to, to sleep on that. All I'm asking, for, I'm trying to buy time. That's all I'm trying to do. Because sometimes I don't like to just make a rash decision on something. I wanna, hey, can I, just, can I just sleep on that? Can you give me, I like to have, if I can, I try and get 24 hours. It really, I found, it is a, I was trying to buy a piece of property a long time ago from this old farm boy down Southwest Missouri. And I was trying to buy this ground from him and he was just a, a, just a hard guy to do business with because we'd make a deal. I mean, we'd really strike a deal on something. And this guy, the realtor would call me back and he'd say, hey, Jim, hey, uh, he woke up in a new world. Oh, dude, you've got to be kidding me, you know? And then this, this, this happened time and time and time again until this guy had the moon and the stars and whatever had to line up for him just right to do his deal, you know? This, seriously, this took me a year or more just to put this thing together. And I mean, it was repetitively, it was like, yeah, you know, hey, Jim, you remember what I told you before? Yep. Yeah, he woke up in a new world again. Okay, you know, this just goes on and on. And I think, you know, for us, that the idea is sometimes you sleep on something the moral to the story. Uh, sometimes you sleep on something, you might wake up in a new world. You know, you just, there's something good about that to, to get a night's rest, to think through something and to make sure that is that really of the Lord? Is that something that's, that's gonna, and I, I press it through a grid of the word. 
You know, I, I go through, you know, parts of Acts chapter two and I, I press it through and I say, hey, how, how does that really fit? You know, is this gonna take me away from the Lord? Is this gonna enhance my walk with the Lord? Is this distractive? Is this something that's gonna distract me from the real business at hand with the Lord? Is God really number one in this? Do I have a personal agenda in this? What am I trying to gain from this? I, man, I try and push that through all kinds of things in my mind and my heart, asking the Lord, man, patience, patience, patience. Don't be hasty. I think David really taught us something in this. That idea of someone's anointing and that others are used sometimes as an instrument, that's something to really tuck away and think about. That instrument, that source of irritation. Another scripture kind of comes to mind with that in uh, Matthew. Oh, I apologize. It's John's account, chapter nine. But if, if you will, when you, you see what happened is uh, Jesus kind of comes to uh, he's interacting with this guy that's uh, been blind uh, from his birth, so he's never seen before. In verse six, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay or made some mud with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And then he said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So, he went and washed and came back seen. Seems like something, whoop, whoop, that was a quick read, done. Good, sounds good, but think through it a little bit. You ever gotten dirt in your eye? <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you can see or not. Have you ever gotten dirt in your eye? You know, it's a pretty big, large source of irritation. I'm sure this, even though he's blind, he can feel all that happening. Now he doesn't even know exactly what all went. He probably heard something, you know, I don't know if Jesus was, as crass as, you know, I'm not sure if that all happened or not. I can't say for sure, but you get the idea. So he spits on the ground and then he mixes this up and makes this little muddied mess and puts it in his eyes. Now this makes no sense to any of us, of course not. But Jesus is doing something really cool. Now think about this. He's telling a blind guy now go down to the pool of silence. This is, okay, so now he's got this bunch of irritation going. Thinking, Man, are you kidding me? And there's not a whole lot of explanation in all of this. Now, if you do this and this and this, you know, you just, you know, go and wash. Active faith, no doubt about it, for sure. Get this irritation. He's, he's, his eyes are probably starting to water and yeah, you know, it's just a big mess. And he can't see. So now he's got to try and get help. Somebody, can you get me down to the pool of Siloam? We're, not, we're thinking through it through the ability to see. But you got to think through this through the fact that this guy can't see. Now you got to find somebody to help him get to the pool of Siloam. And he's eyes are watering and he gets down there. He says, go and wash. And he... He, so he went and he came back seen. I really like this idea. For us, it's really kind of cool for the application tonight. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man. The tool <laughs> that was used was a large source of irritation. The process but it yielded a wonderful benefit, didn't it? 
Judas was used against the Lord. Even Jesus looking at the crowd that's jeering and he has, he, he has no reviling accusation. He has nothing reviling to say to them. You've healed others. Heal yourself now. Come off the cross. Making fun of him. But that very instrument, the cross itself, Jesus is the anointed one. And the cross being used to fulfill ultimately the full purpose, even in the midst of the suffering, was the purpose was fulfilled that the sacrifice was made for you and me. It's powerful when you start thinking through this. Those things that might be big sources of irritation to you or to me might be the very thing that God's wanting to use to shape and mold your life to make you who he wants you to be. I know for me, this is, this is difficult things to think through. But then I love this. It's, it, it's, go to the sent one. It's just go to the pool of Siloam. It, it's lead, it, it leads him to who? This ultimately reveals to him who, who Jesus is. That's the ultimate thing that happens to him. He comes back. The neighbors who were previously had seen that he was blind, is not, this, isn't this the same guy that sat and begged? And some said, this is he. Others said, that looks like him. He said, no, it's me. <laughs> no, it's really me. Do you realize people looking at you, people looking at me, they said, what happened? Aren't you? Didn't you? Weren't you? And now we're these changed people. Or why don't you? Why don't you? See, this whole thing, sometimes it's, it's not even what you do, it's what you don't do. It's how you don't react to a situation. Some of those things are as powerful as anything else that you could do. This guy, just the mere fact that he's, look, he, he, he sees now. Therefore, they said to him, oh, they really want to inquire now. How were your eyes opened? How did this happen? And he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay. Now see, he doesn't even know how that actually happened because he didn't see him spit in the ground, did he? Right? He doesn't even know exactly how it all happened. He can't explain how it happened. I don't think, see, you and I can really explain how it happened. What was the transaction? We understand it. We believe it by faith. We know that God did change us. He came in. He gave us his word. He promised he lives within us. But exactly in the realm of the spirit, how all that really comes together, I can't really explain. I can tell you scripturally. I can tell you the, the truth contained in it. But it's a matter of faith believing that God can do that. And if God can do that for you, God can do that for the other people you're in contact with. That is what's so imperative and significant for us to embrace. Those things, those people, those circumstances that you and I are engaging in that might be sources of irritation, maybe God's wanting to use, maybe you're a big irritation to them. Did you ever think of that? I know as a believer that oftentimes I'm just a big irritation to some people. But that's okay. God's going to use that in a good way. Now, I'm not talking about basic obnoxiousness. You know, if that's your problem, that's a whole other issue, okay? I'm not talking about weird personality quirks. I'm talking about God in you. 
can be an irritation to people that are in the world. But look at that when you see the end result. How are your eyes open? That's all they want to know. And he said to him, he just explains who it was that did it. See, you don't have to explain how everything happened. You just need to explain who you've met. That's very liberating for us. You don't have to know a ton of theological nuances to that, you know, qualify all of it. You don't have to know all that. You just need to know who. And you need to know him intimately. And you just share about who it was. The key comes into this is do we believe today? Do we believe that God that saved you can save anybody else? Now, I don't think there's a person, most of us just, yeah, I agree with that. I believe that to be likely the case. Man, then we have got the greatest message, which we do, fact on the face of this earth, and that nothing should stop us from trying to penetrate anywhere we can with that information that we have. It is life-changing. It's been life-changing to you. It's been life-changing to me. It will continue to be. It's not the how did that happen. It's the who did it. And sometimes it's that irritation. You know, I've had some people tell me, oh man, you know, I was sharing with this. And a lot of times it's a family member, real close friend, group of friends. And this one person, they just got really upset about all of it. They were really, really mad about it. Good. Good. Oh, yeah, that's just fine. The Holy Spirit's sometimes like a rock going into a pack of dogs. You know which dog you hit. There's no confusion. It's the one that's yelping the loudest. And I think that's sometimes true with the people. Sometimes you think, oh, I've pushed this too far, and now they're just so upset. They've just gotten, oh, no, they might be closer than you even know. See, you and I don't know what's happening in here. Just like if you reflect back when God was drawing you into fellowship, you knew things were happening inside of your heart in there. Something was going on, whether it was a a few hours, a few weeks, a few years, you knew something was happening down in there. Something was going on. You were thinking about things you didn't normally think about. You were running into people you didn't normally run into. There was a consciousness about the spirit realm in God. Sometimes I've had situations where all of a sudden, knock, 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 knock. All of a sudden, it's the Jehovah's Witnesses showing up at my friend's house. I've been sharing with them, sharing with them. And all of a sudden, their Mormon family members are trying to get a hold of them. It's like, what? God, I've been praying for him. I've been sharing the gospel with him. And Jim, Jim, they're seekers. The enemy knows it too. They're seekers. So man, I had to go right in for the kill in the Lord, spiritually speaking, in the right sense, okay? I had to right reach down and, you know, grab a hold of the beating heart, you know? And just, just really had to lay it out and explain, look at man, there's only one way. I had to just cut right to the chase. I could, there was no, no more room for error in this because you know, eternity could weigh in the balance for them in their decision. Well, I, I mean, I, yeah, you know, Mormonism got some great ideas. You know? They've got a good welfare system set up. They got some good stuff going. They're real organized. Their buildings are clean and neat. You know, yeah, that's maybe true. That's great. But that's only this side of eternity. There's a whole nother issue to deal with. I want to share that with you from, from this perspective that, man, we have this great opportunity 
And I think when we look at these truths in this and we look at this, how this plays out, man, we don't wanna see things just as they physically appear to us, you know, in every situation. David could have gone in, but he knew that wasn't the right thing to do right then. He knew that wasn't the right thing to do. There was an instrument that was being used in his life. It was difficult for him, but God had allowed that. It's not something we necessarily need to eradicate. Isn't that interesting? If you're the one that's the source of your, it's not always a bad thing. Not always a good thing either, but it's not always a bad thing in the Lord. And go after it with, with, with seriousness. If God reached down and touched your life, God can reach down and touch anybody's life. Isn't it true? We are all, we're a mixed group. Different parts of the country, different parts of the world. We're a mixed group here. Even in this group tonight, we're just a mixed group. Hodgepodge of people from all over the places. And every one of us have a different story and experience of how we met the Lord. Now, some of you are wonderful people. You're a much better person than I could ever be. I'm serious. Some of you are just wonderful people. And I, I think that's awesome. That's a wonderful commendation. That wasn't necessarily me, but I think that's awesome for some of you that were more nice and pleasant and wonderful people-ishness. You know, some of the rest of us were just messed up people who just didn't mind messing up other people. You know, it just didn't, it just didn't matter. You know, and, I, and some of us are more like that. And some of us are just somewhere in between. And it just doesn't, God reached down and touched our lives. That's what matters. And the thing is, is do you and I believe that? If he's reached down and touched me, can he use me? Because that's what he wants to do, use each one of us to touch that next person. Man, I don't want to do like what the world's trying to, the world's trying to push us off into a corner. I'm telling you. And just be quiet, you Christians. Just don't talk to other Christians. You know, runny nose is fine, but a full-blown infection, no, that'll just spread to others. Well, we're infectious. I hope we're just sick as a dog and we just are infectious, you know, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's really a powerful thing to think through. When you see the anointing and how it was used with Jesus just to reveal himself, and the anointing came in a form of irritation that was then used to reveal who he was to others. What a great truth. Man, may that be ours. May we walk in that. And then we flip this thing over from time to time in the God's anointed part. Instead of just using this, oh, well, it's God's anointed. We can't say anything about, you know. Yeah, okay, that's cool. That's fair. But that's not the whole picture of this. Because David was also God's anointed, wasn't he? Both people were anointed by the Lord. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening again today. And we're just so thankful for those of you who tune in and, and uh, are getting something out of these messages from God's Word. And sometimes God really begins to tug on our hearts and He kind of calls us out for a response. And sometimes we want to go and work at something and, and kind of earn our way into things. But, you know, with God, it's just not that way. His Word says, for by grace, that's unmerited love and favor that's been shown to you. That's what that word grace means. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God wants you to walk in those good works that he's prepared for your life. He wants you to be a living testament of his goodness and his grace. And he doesn't want you to have to work at or earn salvation, but salvation is a free gift. It's by faith that you can have this everlasting life. Simple prayer of faith. Jesus, I want to ask that you would come into my heart, that you would forgive me of all my sin. I want this free gift of everlasting life. I want to be forgiven. I'm tired of carrying this weight of sin and shame. And I want to ask, Lord, that you would come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for that grace that you have shown me. I receive you now into my heart and ask, Lord, that as I walk this life, that you would walk with me and that I would walk in your ways and in the good works, those things that you prepared for me to walk in, that it might glorify you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.